Hey, I'm Michael, and I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey is one of the great states in our nation, and I grew up in that upper right-hand corner there. Uh, it's Bergen County. You see, if you can read that, that town name, Hackensack, that's the, the county seat, and that's where I actually met Gail, my wife and uh, my co-pilot for the, for the journey. The other co-pilot is Jesus. And between Jesus and Gail, I know where I'm going all the time. And so we, uh, we began a life together shortly thereafter. New Jersey is actually two states. You don't know this unless you're from New Jersey. It's South Jersey, which is really not part of New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> And they gravitate more towards Philadelphia. And South Jersey is why New Jersey is called the Garden State. Because if you go to North Jersey, you don't really think about gardens and tomatoes. But South Jersey, wow, the farms, the tomatoes is just absolutely amazing. Uh, so it was very interesting to me uh, when the other night I went to dinner at Aldo's with my daughter and my wife, and I saw the governor of New Jersey having dinner right here in Virginia Beach at Aldo's. Phil Murphy was elected last fall. Uh, I, I don't know anything about him other than he likes to eat at Aldo's, and, and that's what we share in common. So, uh, so there I took my first picture of the governor of New Jersey there from across the restaurant. I went uh, 10 times magnification with my iPhone and got that shot, and then uh, it's our tradition in our family. I don't know if you know this or not, but we never sit in one place when we go to a restaurant. We sit down, then we go, oh, there's a breeze. It's too cold. We're not feeling good here. We move to another place, and we go, oh, we're not, the lighting isn't right here. I could look better if the lighting was a little bit better. So then we moved closer to the governor, and I got this shot here. Okay, so now... Now I'm really up close and personal with the governor, and I want to reach out and shake hands with the governor and tell him about how I grew up in New Jersey. I went to school in New Jersey. I went to Jersey Boys State. I want to do all this, but there are some Secret Service people lurking, and, and, and we've already moved a couple of times. They already have their eyes on me. You know? <laughs> hey, why is this guy taking pictures? Why is this guy moving closer? I mean, they are ready to take me down. Okay? But I could feel the boundaries in the room, the boundaries of I'm not getting any closer than this. On the way out, he walked right by me. I could feel the boundary. I almost grabbed his shirt. I thought, no, that's not going to bode well for me. But you could feel the tension of the boundaries. God invented boundaries. He created boundaries. They're just part of our lives all the time. And that's why we're going to talk about that today. God defined boundaries. He defined boundaries in the universe. He defined boundaries in the life that he gave us. He blesses boundaries. And he was a blessing himself when he came in the flesh in Jesus Christ. He crossed the boundary of before time began to come into our time and into our world to be a part of our very boundaried lives. And here's my main thought for today, and I want you to, to grab this and, and maybe write it down or put it in your iPhone and really think about it. This is a, a message I think is going to come around and, and be like a boomerang message. Like on Wednesday, you'll go, 
Ah, oh, it just came back to me. We must live see-through lives in a fuzzy world. We must live see-through lives in a very fuzzy world. We live today in a very fuzzy world all the time. So let's talk about boundaries. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25 is where we'll begin. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. I read from this very rarely, but it's a great Bible to have in your collection of Bibles because it gives you in parentheses different words that give you another side view of the meaning that that scripture is trying to give you. And you're going to see this as I read it here this morning. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 from the Amplified Bible. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, in other words, how we may stimulate, or how we may incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, how we might incite each other to, toward love and doing good things and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, in other words, warning, urging and encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. See, they thought that Jesus was coming back real soon. And so they, they were thinking, if he's coming back soon and it's coming and it's, it's not fuzzy at all, it's clear. And when we see him coming, it's going to be so clear. We want to be presented before him faithful. We want to be presented before him as men and women who are admonishing, warning, urging and encouraging each other to be everything that we can be. And so this is setting down a bunch of different boundaries in our lives, spiritual boundaries in our lives. The message pulls in verse 22 to the context and says it this way. So let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's do this. Let's live this life. Let's, let's be full of faith. Let's be full of doing great things and doing noble deeds, confident that we are on the inside and on the outside congruent. It's not just that we put this covering on the outside, say, well, we're Christian. We have a Christian veneer, so we must be Christian, but we try the best that, that we can to match up the inside and the outside. You know, Jesus talked a lot about that when he was here. And he railed against people who only had an outside kind of a faith, who only looked good on the outside. He, he said, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You can't look like a, a whitewashed tomb where it's nice and clean and neat on the outside, but on the inside, it's not good. Don't live your life that way. And so that's what God is really interested in when it comes to the boundaries, that the boundaries on the inside that we have match the boundaries on the outside because otherwise we're always getting into a very fuzzy, fuzzy world. So Hebrews 10 gives us what I call biblical boundaries in action. And let us consider, it begins, and then here are the biblical boundaries in action. Give attentive, continuous care. Give attentive, Continuous care, those two words, attentive, continuous. It's happening all the time. It's happening moment by moment. 
You are focusing. You are staying clear. You're not fuzzy, attentive, continuous care. Watching over one another. So we're watching over each other. We are here for each other. We're trying to make sure that, that everything's going right. Is everything okay? Can I do something? Do you need something? What do you need from me today? Watching over one another. Studying how we may stir up. Studying. In other words, we are students of our lives. We are watching so that we can be better, so that we can grow to maturity in Christ together. Studying how we may stir up or stimulate and cite love and helpful deeds. And I love this, noble activities. Noble activities. Activities that, that extend grace. Activities that extend unconditional love. Activities that extend maximum generosity. Not taking for granted coming together. We don't take this for granted. This is a special moment. This is a holy moment. This is God in us and through us teaching us, knitting our hearts together. We don't take this for granted coming together. And so when we don't take it for granted, what do we do? Do we relax? No, we don't just kick back and relax. We admonish. Hey, why are you, why are you doing that? Hey, I thought, I thought you said you were going to stop doing that. We admonish each other. We warn each other. We urge each other. We encourage one another. Admonishing, warning, encouraging one another. We are really in this to make it all happen because we know that God is in this and he doesn't do anything that's fuzzy. We must live, see through lives in a fuzzy world. And it's fuzzy all the time. When you look at the front page of the New York Times, it's fuzzy. When you look at the front page of the Wall Street Journal, it's fuzzy. When you read the, the latest post on whatever blog that you're looking at, it's usually fuzzy. Something's fuzzy. Let me tell you about something fuzzy. And I'll make some comments about the fuzzy stuff. And hopefully my comments aren't fuzzy, but maybe they're fuzzy. And, and you look around and you watch the evening news and it's fuzzy. But you have to learn how to live a, a life that God looks into and God doesn't see fuzzy in you. So the ap applicable, applicable question becomes, how? How do you do that? Beth Moore in her book, When Godly People Do Ungodly Things, taught me these two principles. This is the how of living a see-through life in a fuzzy world. Number one, to develop and practice, develop and practice godly discernment from a global perspective. Now, global perspective means not just here in the immediate sense, but it means what's a, what's a godly discernment for Virginia Beach? What's a godly discernment for the state of Virginia? What's a godly discernment for the United States of America? What's a godly discernment for the world? Because if the world was more about godly discernment, we would have less fuzziness. So to develop and practice godly discernment, in other words, what would God do if he was in this situation? How would God think if he was moving into this moment? How would God act 
in the immediate sense of what needs to be done. This is a global perspective of godly discernment, to, to think like God, to act like God, to live out godly discernment all the time. That's the global perspective that defeats fuzziness. The second thing that defeats fuzziness is develop and practice deliberate accountability from a narrow base. Now that brings us right here. And that's where it kind of gets uncomfortable. Develop and practice deliberate accountability from a narrow base. So who is allowed to speak truth into your life? Somebody that you know, somebody that you trust, somebody that you will accept speaking the truth in love from, somebody who you will say, faithful are the wounds of a friend, go ahead and wound me so I can be better. To develop and practice deliberate accountability from a narrow base is a challenge for each and every one of us, but it's the only way we're gonna live see-through lives and defeat the fuzziness around us. I wanna have a global perspective. Actually, it's, it's, it's almost more fun to have a global perspective because I get to go, how would God do this? And how would God think about that? And if God was here, what would God do? Develop and practice deliberate accountability from a narrow base is, is not so much fun. But I need somebody to speak into my life to help me be better. I need to speak into your lives to help you be better. That's the way it works. Beth Moore said it this way, discernment sees trouble, senses a warning, and cites the need for caution. Discernment sees trouble, senses a warning, and cites the need for caution. And so to have a see-through life, you need two things. You need discernment, the ability to see through the masks, to see through the, the role playing, to see through the fuzziness. You know, the world offers you a lot of political commentary and political posturing. The world offers you sort of glitz and, and shine and, and glamour and surface. And discernment is the ability to, to see through that. And accountability is inviting others to see through us? Am I really living the life that I say I want to live in Christ? And we're never going to do that perfectly. And we're never going to do that without a struggle. But to invite that kind of accountability defeats the fuzziness. And let us consider. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. And all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching, all the more faithfully realizing how much is at stake, doing noble deeds, maximum generosity, incredible compassion, expansive awareness of what's going on around you, taking the next step that God would take, doing the next thing that God would do. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out, inside and out. Let's put some legs on see-through lives. 
so we can walk out of here today with a resolve, a resolve to be who God really needs us to be. In his book, Boundaries, in their book, Boundaries, Henry Cloud and and John Townsend uh, write a magnificent set of chapters. I mean, it's just like chapter after chapter. Each chapter alone is is like a mini book. And there's so much in this book. Uh, It was written in 1992. It's one of my favorite all-time books. As you see, over 2 million copies have been sold. You can spend a year easily in this book. You can do this book in a small group, but don't try to go through fast. Don't take a a chapter a week. There's just too much in it. But what they do is they give you the parameters of living a godly life, the parameters of living a holy life. They peel back all the layers of what this scripture is in uh, in Hebrews 10, and they do it in a way that, that brings honor and integrity to our lives, that calls us to living amazingly great lives for Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the really interesting things that's happened to me over the years is I've got to be with Henry Cloud. I've got to know Henry Cloud. And, and this morning, I want to share something with you that came to us. Uh, we got it just a little bit late or we would have shown it a couple of weeks ago, but you'll see what I mean. And here's Henry. He wants to talk to you right now. Hey guys, I want to say hi to Michael and Spring Branch and the staff there and everybody there, all the community, and congratulate you and bless you on your 25th anniversary. Are you kidding me? Who can last that long? Only you guys. Well, other people do too, but you guys do it really well. I've known you for a long time. I know what you do. And when I'm out there talking to people, I'm telling you, you have an effect in their lives. And so I just want to not only congratulate you and Michael, you and your staff have done a great job, but I also want to encourage you to take what's happened and go forward. There's more land to be, be captured. And so you're doing a great job and I always love, I just love you guys. That's it. I'll see you. Henry loves you. You go out of here today, you know that God loves you, but you also know that Henry Cloud loves you. It doesn't get any better than that. And I love Henry, and I'm so thankful to him for what he's been able to to pour into my life over the last 20 years or so. In Galatians 6, 7, and 10, we kind of get a scriptural basis for boundaries. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A person reaps what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh, if you want to just take care of yourself, you're number one and take care of everything that you need, from the flesh will reap destruction. It it ultimately is going to end up not going that far. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. And that's why when Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, He talked about doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to be about that. That's what that passage in in Hebrews 10 was about. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's going to be temptation to give up. There's a temptation to give up. Like, I'm always trying. I'm always reaching and, and I, sometimes I get frustrated but he says do not let us not become weary in doing good 
but the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And so in, in the book, Boundaries, uh, and while I encourage you to, to pick it up and read it, take your time to, to go through it, there are, there are 10 laws of boundaries, the 10 laws of boundaries that I want to go through quickly, and then I'm going to hit my, my top five, so I just share that with you, what I think are the most important for me in my life, and then we will we'll wrap this up this morning. So here are the, the 10 laws of boundaries. The law of sowing and reaping. Our actions have consequences. Everything we do, it's like pushing that, that domino. Everything we do starts a chain reaction. Something else happens because of it. So this is why we have to be so careful of what we do and not be doing things that just have maximum impact for me, but things that have maximum impact for the kingdom, the law of sowing and reaping, the law of responsibility. We're responsible to each other, not for each other. In other words, I can't, if you're supposed to do something and it's your job, I can't take that over. I can't really get that done. That's your job. But I am responsible to you and you're responsible to me that we're all getting the job done together. The law of power, we have power over some things. We don't have power over everything or other things, including changing other people. The law of respect, respect for boundaries goes two ways. I want you to respect my boundaries and I want to respect your boundaries. The law of motivation. We must be free to say no before we can wholeheartedly say yes. If I'm going to say, if I'm going to say yes to you, I want to know that I can say no and you will still love me. You'll still care about me even if I say no. The law of evaluation. We need to own the pain our boundaries cause others. Sometimes because of boundaries, there is pain that comes out of that. But sometimes through the pain, there is an acceleration of growth or there's a, a turn towards growth. There's a turn towards something greater. C.S. Lewis put it this way so eloquently. Pain is God's great megaphone. Sometimes God allows pain just so we can hear and see in a different way. The law of proactivity. We must take timely action to solve problems or set boundary solutions. The law of envy. We never get what we want if we focus on what others have. That was so important that God put it in the Ten Commandments. The law of activity. We need to take the initiative in setting limits rather than being passive. Sometimes rather than just letting things happen, we have to go, I'm going to just set this in place right here. I'm going to set a boundary right now so that this doesn't happen anymore. The law of exposure. Uh, it's, a, it's a little hard to understand what that means. It simply means we need to communicate our boundaries to each other. We need to tell each other what our boundaries are. We need to expose our boundaries to each other to be fair with each other. Discernment sees trouble, senses a warning, and cites the need for caution. So let me tell you my top five boundaries. The first one is the law of sowing and reaping. Our actions have 
consequences. Everything that we do either moves toward the big U, capital Y-O-U, or it moves toward the big kingdom, the capital K-I-N-G-D-O-M, God's, God's kingdom. And sometimes you, you feel intention of that. Uh, I felt intention of that last night. I had no idea this was going to happen. As I was wrapping up my message and, and getting ready to, to go home, um, and it was somewhere around 10 p.m., there was a family in our parking lot in a small U-Haul truck, all in the front seat, husband, wife, black lab, and 14-year-old boy. And they had left Kentucky a couple days ago with a hope and a dream of starting a whole new life in Virginia Beach. And, and basically, they were at the hope dream level and, and kind of running on fumes. No place to go, just kind of hoping that, that God was going to show up and, and, and help them in their lives. And so I, I talked to them. I, uh, it's late. You know, I'm trying to figure the situation out. You know, I, I am not totally comfortable because I really don't know who you are and, and what you're doing. And because I'm, new, I'm from New Jersey, sometimes I'm wondering, is there something going on here? Okay. <laughs> I wanted to call the governor. Hey, governor. Uh, but, you know, at the end, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to sow into their lives? And I just felt like God saying to me, Michael, do for them what I have done for you. Do for them what I have done for you. You know, I'm, I'm going to go home. I'm going to sleep in a bed. I'm going to go home. I'm going to pull the fridge open and, and have a snack. I'm going I'm to go home and, and I'm going to pet my dog and give him a, a treat. I'm going to, you know, do for them what I have done for you. And so after a lot of conversation and a lot of trying to figure things out, uh, I had them follow me and I got them in a, a place uh, so that they would be safe for their first week here in Virginia Beach. He was so intent on wanting a job. He was so intent on, you know, I'm going to work hard so I can take care of my family. He was so intent on wanting to start a whole new life. And I didn't have all the answers, but I had an answer from God. Do for them what I have done for you. And so I, I sowed grace into their lives. I sowed your generosity into their lives because you give to the community fund and you say, take care of people, take care of people who have needs and have gaps. And so I sowed that. And I believe that out of that sowing, we're going to reap something that's going to be good, that some young family is going to start a whole new life because they trusted God and said, you know, a long time ago we were in Virginia Beach and it was a good time for us and, and where we are is not good and we're just going to go back and see maybe God will show up and be there with us. And how they ended up here, I have no idea other than God. The law of sowing and reaping has dramatic consequences, my friends. The law of power, we can't change people. We can change ourselves if we really get down to it. And that's what we should be doing most of the time. 
I have a full-time job changing me. Believe me, it's a full-time job. Uh, I remember this story that was told a long time ago about a seminary professor, and he was getting ready to retire from teaching at a seminary, a theological school, and he was going to go be a pastor at a, at a local church. His son had already been a pastor at a local church for a decade or more, and so in sort of a reverse mentoring, counseling situation, the father goes to the son with this question. Son, you've been pastoring a church for a long time, and, and this is my first time. I've just been a, a teacher, a professor. Uh, what do I have to know to be, to be a good pastor to these people? And the son said, well, Dad, you only have to know one thing, just one thing. Tell me what it is. And the father thought for a moment, and he said, I got it. Teach the word of God with integrity. And the son said, no, Dad, no, you're like flying above the clouds. Like, bring it down to reality. And he said, tell me what you think it is. One thing. The father pondered a little bit more and said, uh, I got it, I got it, I got it. Love the people with the tender heart of a shepherd. And the son said, no, Dad, no, you're still like 30,000 feet in the air. Kind of land this plane. Let's get it down. And the father thought, and his brain hurt, and he said, I, I don't know, son. You, you're you're going to have to tell me. What do, I, what do I have to do? What's the one thing? And this young man who was a pastor looked at his dad. And with great wisdom, he said this. You just have to remember, dad, you can't make anybody do anything. You can't. Only you can make yourselves do something. Only you, motivated by the Holy Spirit of God can rise up and do stuff. I can't make you. I can remind you. I can encourage you. I can, I can, I can say, let's do noble things together. But the decision to change or the decision to grow or the, the decision for mission or the decision for, for maximizing the resources that God has placed in our hands corporately, that's a decision that each and every individual makes by the guidance of God's Holy Spirit in us and through us. That's the real power. The law of motivation. Free to say no before we can say yes. I, I really, I don't, I don't like saying no. I like saying yes a whole lot, but sometimes I know I have to say no. The law of proactivity, taking action, taking action, seeing what has to be done, and, and getting action ready before you have to take action, that's important. The law of exposure, communicating, saying these are my boundaries and, and this is why I have my boundaries this way. Cloud puts it this way. In the end, you're always going to get a combination of two things in life, okay? What you create and what you allow. That's what you get. What you create and what you Allow. The central issue of boundaries is always ownership. Owning life, owning your own life. I have to own my life and what I am doing and what I am investing my time and energy and resources in. And then we have to own this life together that God has given us as the body of Christ. So what are you willing to own for the glory of God and the safety of people? What are you willing to own for the glory of God and the safety of 
people, see-through lives, lives that are transparent, demand a level of discernment and accountability that gives glory to God and safety to his people. And when we do that together, it's amazing how the world isn't fuzzy anymore. Now, people have come to church over the years. People in churches all across the world, across America and across the world. And they've come to a place where they thought it was going to be fuzzy and it got more fuzzy. People have come to church where they thought they weren't going to get hurt and they got hurt. People have come to church where they thought they wouldn't get manipulated or used or abused and they got manipulated and used and abused. People have come to church where they thought they would find grace and they got judgment. People have come to church where they thought they would find unconditional love and they got people who were whispering behind their backs. And God says, oh, people, don't live fuzzy lives in something that, that I gave my life for so that it would never have to be fuzzy again. And this church, in the middle of a society that's fuzzy, this church in the middle of a world that, that goes this way, that way, the next new way. Uh, what did we do yesterday? What are we going to do tomorrow? Uh, going in circles. This church is going to stand for see-through lives that is going to bring down a fuzzy world. And that means kids are going to get cared for in the right way. And we're going we're to watch over those kids and, and we're going to take care of all of their needs not the least of which is their need for safety and security. Did you ever look in the eyes of a child? I looked into the eyes of a little baby girl yesterday when I did a dedication out in Chesapeake, and she is five months old, and all I could see was God's love and grace in her innocent eyes. And when you look into the eyes of a child, you look into the eyes of a student, you look into the eyes of a middle schooler, you see the potential of God. And it's, our, it's incumbent that we watch over that potential and care for that potential and protect that potential and not let anything bad happen to that potential. And if something happens, it is incumbent upon us to confront it and to take care of it and to announce it and to hold it accountable and to be discerning. Because if we aren't this safe place in the world, where can people go? Where can people go? And so I commit that we will be men and women who live see-through lives in a fuzzy world so that people will know and understand that they are loved, that they are cared for, that they can come as they are, that they can become who God wants them to be because in this community, it's about his glory and no, no one else's. Discernment, sees trouble, senses a warning, and cites the need for caution. Discernment is the ability to see through the masks, through the veneer, through the whitewash. And accountability is inviting others to see through us. So let's live these boundaries. Let's own these boundaries. Let's take this scripture from Hebrews, this scripture from Galatians, and let it just seep into our lives so that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are full of belief, confident that we are presentable to God 
inside and out. Are you with me willing to live a see-through life in a fuzzy world? I call you to those boundaries. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for a grace and a level of responsibility within that grace that calls us to noble deeds, that calls us to expansive love, that calls us to be the church, a safe place, a clear and present place of your, of your message of love, of your message of redemption in a world that is increasingly fuzzy and fuzzier. Oh, Father, allow us to be this, do this in us and through us. Father, call us to discernment and accountability each and every day so that you may receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here. Have a good day and God bless you.